In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides Podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed, because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Betches Brides. I'm Nicole Pellegrino. And I'm Jordana Abraham. And we are back. This episode we are so excited for because a lot of you have been asking for this for quite a while. We have two fabulous guests with us. We have Jessica Bishop. She's the founder of the Budget Savvy Bride, which is an amazing online resource for uh, planning a wedding on a budget, which we all need right now, especially. And then Sari Wienerman, who is her real weddings editor for the Budget Savvy Bride. And they are co-hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast, which is a podcast dedicated to uncovering where wedding traditions come from. So that said, that's going to be what this whole episode is about. So ladies, we'd love to hear more about your backgrounds and um, how you started the Bouquet Toss podcast. Sure. Well, I guess I'll start. Um, Like you mentioned, uh, I'm the founder of The Budget Savvy Bride, which I actually started back in 2008 when I was planning my own wedding on a very tight budget. And um, it eventually turned into a resource to help other couples find ways to cut costs on their big day and still have the wedding that they want. So, And then Sari joined my team, what now, four four or five years ago? Four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And she's become my right-hand gal. And really spearheaded uh, this, uh, the origins, I guess you could say, of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Yeah. So I came to Jess and I was like, we need to do a podcast. Um, I have a background producing and marketing podcasts and stuff, but I was, I also have a background as a performer. So I was like, I don't care. I'll get behind the mic. Let's do it. But mostly because we, we have so many conversations at the Budget Savvy Bride about how we can empower couples to plan weddings that feel authentic to them there's so much pressure on just weddings in general. And what we always talk about is how it feels like people do things for their wedding just because that's what other people do and not because they actually feel any particular way about it or know any particular amount of details about the history. So we were like, well, why don't we dive into where all of these things actually came from? Because then it actually becomes easier for you and your partner to decide if that aligns with you and your goals And then you can plan your wedding around that rather than being like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. So now I have to figure out how. Um, I think that's that's really, really awesome. We talk about that kind of stuff a lot here and we get questions. I think our most recent question, which like sort of prompted us to like really get some experts behind um, where this stuff came from is like we have brides who write in and they're like, well, I don't know if I want my, you know, my dad and I aren't very close. He's supposed to walk me down the aisle. Like, how do I deal with like telling him I'd rather have my mom do it? And like that kind of stuff where it's kind of like the the brides want to, you know, 
they want to be authentic to themselves, but they also feel like there's all these traditions behind weddings, which people will judge them for not doing or like will create more of a stir. So I think that what you what you guys are doing is really awesome. Thanks. I mean, that's such a good example. And I totally listened to that episode. But when you are like specifically, if you're thinking about whether or not to have your dad give you away because of your relationship with him, when you actually know the history behind where that comes from, it probably will give you a lot of freedom to say, oh, actually, I do not need to do that. And that's the kind of thing we're after, because when you really know that it stems from women just being property and being, you know, exchanged monetarily, then Mm -hmm. that pressure actually doesn't really have to be there because you can be like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. It releases a lot of the pressure, I think. And we see similar things like in our community as well. People seem to be, couples, you know, seem to be looking for permission to change the rules and make their own rules and do things their own way. And so I think really unpacking a lot of this stuff gives them the information they need uh, to to do that. Right. And this is the perfect time for uncovering these traditions and really asking like, why am I doing this or stressing over this in the first place? Because now more than ever, like you just said, it's like people are trying to make their weddings. We're seeing the most unconventional weddings that are, you know, everywhere from 10 people or less to more. And it's like, we're seeing people really carve their own unique weddings here in these COVID times. So this is really the perfect time for something like this. So we decided to pull a bunch of questions for our audi- from our audience members. Um, they were super excited about this. Just kind of to start with like leading up to the wedding, um, we had a lot of questions around this, like before the wedding even starts, why are we doing some of the, th- some of the things that we're doing? Um, so our first question is, why do the bride and groom not spend the night together the night before the wedding? So, I mean, this grew out of probably some of that dark wedding history. Um, really, when marriages used to be, there was like marriage by capture. Mm-hmm. You know, forget, I mean, there was also arranged marriages, which seems a little bit more palatable, but there was literally a point in our history where the bride was captured by the groom and his groom's men, which we may get to later. Oh my God. And right. And the, so the whole point of not allowing the bride and groom to spend, to see each other before was because they could run. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I swear. Right. Oh my God. (laughs) And the, Uh. the father of the bride didn't want the groom to be able to back out. I mean, there's literally the stems from if the groom were to see her, he could say, oh, not good enough for me. And the father couldn't allow that. So they just couldn't see each other before. Really makes you rethink that um, that whole thing. I thought it was like to sort of like up your sexual desire. Oh, no. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that would make sense. I missed you so much. (laughs) Well, see, actually, that's where honeymoons came from. Oh, really? Yeah. That's where... Honeymoons were meant, basically what would happen is, can I get into this? Is that okay? Yeah. Oh my God. Get into whatever you want. Literally anything. (laughs) All of it. So honeymoons came about moon being moon cycles. So they they used to measure time in moon cycles. And the bride and groom were given a certain amount of 
wine. It's mead. It was called at the time and it would last for a month. And the idea being that it would take that amount of time for her to get comfortable enough to sleep with her groom. Wow. Oh, wow. So that's what the honeymoon okay. was for. So this was really the first time they were sleeping together was that that month. And period. she had to be like drunk enough that she would be able yeah. to like. <laughs> exactly. Well, imagine a stranger that you didn't even yeah. see yeah. until you married. Right. I totally get that. I mean, all this stuff that you're talking about is so dark. It's like, when mm-hmm. did, is this like a slow evolution out of this phase where like, we just as people just decided to just keep those traditions or like was there sort of a stark contrast between like darkness before fun (laughs) like wedding whatever I think most of them have definitely evolved over time as you know like society has gotten more modernized and everything but yeah it's dark in the beginning (laughs) yeah it's dark but then it becomes more of like superstition yes that's what I was gonna say like, I thought it was like for good luck, you don't spend the night the night before the wedding. Right. So that's where we're at now. So the whole like function of it actually being so that the wedding wasn't called off then became something that people adopted as tradition because they were superstitious about like the fate of the marriage. So at this point, that is what it represents. And it has been that way for a while that people want to honor that. Um, age-old tradition, but also it's like they want the most luck they can possibly get on their day. And to be honest, that's where most wedding traditions that stem from these old archaic times evolved through to. It was like people being afraid of spirits coming to get them, <laughs> like people truly wow. just being afraid of bad luck. And that's why they survived for this long. It's interesting that we've even kept like the names of things, like the honeymoon and stuff. Like even though we have evolved away from it being the dark meanings that it was, that it was, but we even kept like the the names and traditions like that. And it's funny because we had for this that first question about the bride and groom spending the night. We had a lot of audience members DM and they were about that one, and they were like, "I want to spend." Like a lot of brides were like, "I want to spend the night with my groom the night before." Like, why can't I again? So I think if you're not superstitious, it's like, just go for it because that that origin of that question is null and void. Yeah. Here's my other question, I guess, about all of these traditions. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot more of them is kind of like, are you supposed to choose? Do you guys feel like you're supposed to choose the ones based on the ones that you believe in? Or is it more just like this one kind of like, I just like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I like the idea of going on a nice big trip after my wedding. So like, I'll keep that one, even though I know that it has this like kind of messed up origin, because I, I kind of, part of me does feel like if you play that game, like you might not even get married. (laughs) We have gone down that rabbit hole and just specifically said in our episode on honeymoons, because we talked about the whole thing and she was like, yes, but when you really think about it, the honeymoon is probably the best part. <laughs> the honeymoon right. is where you get to actually enjoy and like start your life together. And so I think it's, but it has the darkest history of all. Right. Of that. But it would be a shame to get rid of that. But yeah. I think that what we, I think Jess would agree, like we gen- generally like to take the stance that if you can figure out where your values are and then where these things align with your values then you can pick the ones that you're kind of like, let's keep it or let's toss it. That's like the Mm -hmm. catchphrase for our podcast, keep it or toss it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so it's kind of a mixture. I think that there are for some people, um, 
the yes, knowing, like for instance, your father giving you away, knowing where it came from would probably creep them out, right? We're all human. Right. But there's also this really like big steeped um, for some people in their religion, for some people just in their family history, where it does keep a special meaning for them to have that happen. So we kind of want to, if for lack of a better word, divorce um, necessarily like the expectation from the tradition and have you reclaim it. Like you can make any of this mean whatever you want it to mean. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of symbolism that we see in a lot of these traditions, like the good luck and well wishes to the couple and things like that. And if you can find other ways to kind of capture that same sentiment in a different way, then that's great. What do you guys feel like is the tradition, like the the most obvious tradition that you're like, let's toss this. It's absurd. We don't agree with it. Like, is there one that kind of stands out to you as like you both agreed as you just don't, it doesn't align with your values, let's say. Definitely. Hmm. Well, we definitely have one. Give us a second. <laughs> but then, I'm trying to think. Through. I know. I'm like looking through our episodes. I think it was actually fa- give, the father giving the bride away. Oh, the one okay. where we were like, and and not not like the tradition of like being walked down the aisle by your father, especially if you do have a close relationship, mm-hmm. but the the meaning behind it where, you know, the efficient asks, who gives this woman away yep. to be married? Right. Um, and the significance behind that was, you know, the literal transfer of property of the daughter mm-hmm. to her new spouse. And so I think there's still, you can absolutely still have your father walk you down the aisle if that's something that you've dreamed about your whole life, but you don't have to partake in that little ceremonial question and answer portion. Right. right. I am not having my officiant, my, my dad is going to walk me down the aisle, but I'm telling my, um, the deacon who's marrying us um, <laughs> to not say that part because that's just weird. He can just not say anything. My dad can just hug me and send me off. <laughs> Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly, Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. So Newly is a subscription clothing rental service for just $98 a month. You can get your choice of any six styles. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no parameters. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees. There's no late fees, no damage fees, no fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you like lose a button. Uh Uh-oh, I spilled something on it. Or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing all the way up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BRIDES20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code BRIDES20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code BRIDES20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Before we get into more of the ceremony stuff, because we have so many questions about that, probably the most asked question was the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Um, I have no idea where that came from. So can you guys enlighten us? 
Absolutely. So it really started from like a rhyme that dated back to the Victorian era and like the 1830s, I guess. Um, and it was all just about like bringing good luck and good fortune to the couple. And so the rhyme is something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a sixpence in your shoe, which has kind of fallen by the wayside, I think, in modern times. Have you heard that version before? I feel like yes, but I forgot completely about I don't think it. I've heard it. Yeah, it's kind of fallen out of fashion because a sixpence was a British coin that is no longer in circulation as of like the 1980s, I think. So, um, so yeah, so basically, it describes four, technically five, I guess, items that a bride should have with her on the day of the wedding for good luck. Wow. Okay, so this is a superstition based one. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Do people still do people do that? Do people still like really? Make sure they have all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we see, you know, brides in our community asking all the time, like, what are you doing for your something old, new, borrowed blue and oh. sharing tons of creative ideas. And we definitely go into a lot of those alternatives and solutions and, and options in our, in the episode that we did on this particular tradition. Like who's managing that checklist? Is it like the bride <laughs> right. who's like, I need to, like, is anyone checking to make sure she's got. Right. Like, is it a planner's responsibility <laughs> or like, I would say definitely it's the bride, but we always suggest this be a conversation you have with other people, like your maid of honor, your bridesmaids, even your family, because often the most things that we'll see for a something borrowed or even a new, something new will be a gift that the bride gets. So you don't want to plan for something and then like have it be, you know, somebody could have gotten you something specifically for it. Um, you know, we see a lot of people like will gift jewelry to the bride specifically because they want that to be her oh. something new or they'll pass an old piece of jewelry down as something old. And like maybe your mom has something in mind that like your grandma wore or something and she really wants you to use it. So we always kind of say like put that in the beginning when you're planning just to like get it out of the way. I love that. Definitely communicate that. I was going to ask as a piece because like my grandfather gave my sister like a ring from my grandmother. Does that count as something new because it's new to her or something old because it's an old piece of jewelry technically? You get to decide. Thank you. Either one. You use which column it goes in really. (laughs) Okay, cool, cool. Maybe it could cover both, you know, dual purpose. Okay. Well, I think we're here for that one because it's it's a nice meaning. I like that. But um, yeah, okay. And then the last one, why of before the wedding, why are bridesmaids even called bridesmaids and groomsmen called groomsmen? So, I mean, this is probably also like slightly twisted, uh, <laughs> but so bridesmaid, like, so a maid was considered an unmarried young woman, right? And so what would happen is that they would have the bride and then a group of other young eligible maids um, that would actually all dress in the same outfit to protect the bride because basically like they would send the groom and his men, the groom's men to like literally capture her. Um, And so to have some like other people with her so that she wasn't, this is getting really dark, but no, it's okay. We safety, love it. <laughs> so that so, she wasn't like raped. Is yeah. that was your kind of? I okay. should have known. I could have just said that, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because if she was, she'd be damaged goods, and oh, then couldn't right. wow. be a bride. 
And you just and you said they wore the same outfit. So that's probably where that tradition yeah. came from. And that's yep. why I love the mismatch. Let's get away from that. Wow. Okay. Yes, we agree with that. I thought all the matching was just for the pictures, uniformity. <laughs> same. Wow. It is now. Okay. It definitely is now. <laughs> so that's I mean, this this is just enlightening because truly like I would have never even guessed that it's so interesting that we keep the names still like this day and, and we're all just like my bridesmaids coming on my batch with me and that's where yeah, that comes from you could from. just call them your friends yeah like I my guess, friends that are in your my bride squad or whatever <laughs> yeah my petition to change it to that please <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for explaining that. Now to get into like the ceremony pieces. One of the most commonly asked questions we had was, why do we wear a veil? So this is going back to all that stuff with basically the groom not being able to see the bride before for fear of somebody running. Um, And so quite literally, it was used to cover the bride's face until she got down because like down the aisle and at the altar um, so that there was no chance that the groom could just up and leave and say like, nope, not doing it. Um, But there's also like a little bit more to that history. Like it it was something that was kind of um, cultural for people to do. They would wrap the bride like truly head to toe, not even just not just her head. Um, and in doing so they were like presenting a virgin basically like this was to symbolize like a modest maiden was being delivered to the groom. Um, but queen Victoria, who we like to call her the original wedding influencer, um, cause she's <laughs> like responsible for a lot of the modern fashion that we attribute to weddings, but she, made veils as we see them today, like kind of ornate and long and pretty. Um, She kind of like brought that into like the popular consciousness. Yeah. She was apparently the first Royal to get married in a long flowing veil. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that one definitely has an annoying origin with like wanting to hide the bride and all of that. But I feel like, I feel like that's one of those that we've kind of taken and made our own over time then because a veil can make a beautiful look and it and I do think there's something special to like and romantic about like kind of revealing your like I guess your hair and makeup to your husband when you first see him but it doesn't really go over your face these days right yeah I don't see it as often yeah that's a really good point (laughs) I feel like it just goes in your hair that's a really good point some like religious ceremonies, like religious wedding ceremonies will actually do the full on like reveal. take it. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like an old Jewish thing that they used to do, which thankfully they don't do anymore. Well, I remember like, I feel like biblically it was like, there's a, there's a Bible story about like, uh, was it Jacob who has like his two, like he's supposed to marry one daughter and then like the father swaps them out at like the last second. And maybe I guess he doesn't know because of the veil or something. I forget. I forget which uh, Jewish forefather that is. <laughs> I feel like that sounds familiar. That but does. I can't remember. I should what know this. Remember from Hebrew school. <laughs> I feel like I should remember from Catholic school. But that's a good point. Like the veil. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm picturing like traditional weddings where like the bride uncover whoever lifts the veil over her. But now that I'm thinking about it, like my own wedding, I won't even have one of those veils. I'll just have the one that goes behind. 
Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be something that's really common in like movies that you watch, but not so much in like everyday real life practice. Right. And the veil is now so much part of like the bridal ensemble that it's like, it's one of those things that you won't wear any other occasion. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is what you're going to do when you're the bride. And so I think that's also why a lot of people like to keep it because it's so like, signifies that this is your wedding day and Mm -hmm. yeah it's the thing that you're like not going to do for any other occasion what other occasion would you wear a veil so why not do you guys see a lot of brides not doing because we've gotten questions before from people being like do I really need to buy a veil like even if it's not that expensive like do I really need to be getting a veil or can I just forego it yeah we definitely see a lot of people that don't do it at all Um, we've seen a lot of gorgeous like hair accessories rather than actual veils. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've seen also a lot, like something that we'll recommend as sort of a savvy way to do it is to use in like your mom or your sister or somebody's veil and repurpose it. As your something borrowed. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) I've heard that. I'll be doing that probably because all of the Betches brides that have already gotten married here have like offered me their veil. So I'm like, thank you. Right. Like, yeah. what are they doing? Veils can be <laughs> so exactly. expensive and it's literally just tool. Like so many of them are so mm-hmm. simple and they're so expensive. If you can borrow it from a friend or uh, even rent one, there are places you can rent them mm-hmm. now. Like why not save the money? Right. You're wearing it for a quick ceremony and then you're done with it. So We had a question. Why are why are we wearing white? And I think I know why, because Jordana and I have speculated about this before in the past, but why are we doing that? Yeah, so definitely throughout history, lots of different colors were worn. Um, a lot of times it was literally just the bride's best dress, no matter what color it was. Blue was very popular for a long period of time. But then Queen Victoria, like uh, Sari mentioned, our original wedding influencer, Mm -hmm. is kind of credited as the one who made it like super, super popular to wear a white dress. So basically, we're all just doing what Queen Victoria did first. We love her royal wedding. (laughs) We do. That is true. Americans love, I mean, everybody loves a royal wedding. Um, Interesting. So we already covered the father giving away the bride. So we know that origin. There's more, there's a little more to the white dress too. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Siri. Yeah. So, I mean, you, what you guys are probably thinking is that it's like represents purity or virginity. Yes. That was our reasoning. Which it does. And like historically, there's a lot of that in like every society you can imagine. It was cultural for like most societies thought white was representative of that like pure thing. And so even before dresses in the way that we know them were happening, um, people would wear like a white tunic or something like that. I mean, we're going back like pretty far. Um, But that fell out of style for a while. And as Jess was saying, it was really just your best dress. It was what you had on hand. Or it was in some cultures, like blue or purple or red was actually a really significant color to them. So that was what they would wear to their wedding. I know Indian weddings have like, so many colors yeah um just the whole bridal Mm -hmm. party and the whole i wonder what that do you guys know the significance around that or no we don't yeah we haven't gone into the different cultures yet but maybe that should be something we tackle in the future yeah Yeah. that's the only one i can think of off the top of my head where it's like so starkly different than um Mm -hmm. the others are is it uh chinese weddings that they wear red often 
Am I? Yeah, we featured a lot. I think I've seen that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of like modern or like Chinese American brides will have two dresses where they'll have like a white one and then they'll change into a red one at some point. Um, So it's really like it holds that like historical cultural meaning, I guess, for a lot of people. But once Queen Victoria made this like statement wearing white for her wedding, it became something that was associated with status. So anybody getting married wanted to like follow suit with her and wear white because that showed that they were like of a higher status to be able to wear white to their wedding. And actually in the 1940s here in the US, um, a lot of the men who were going off to war were specifically like fighting for there to be fabric available in white for their brides to get married in. Because wow. they felt like it was like they were fighting, you know, for their country. And so they deserved to get married and, and like kind of enter a, a higher way of life by having this status of like a white wedding dress. And there was um, like the fabric association had to kind of like lobby for them to be able to use more fabric than they were being rationed for because it was wartime. So they were like everything, goods and services and everything were like being rationed really particularly. And mm-hmm. they lobbied to be able to use enough fabric to make a dress because everybody wanted a white dress. Wow. That kind of makes me like not take my white dress for granted now because it was in <laughs> such a hot commodity back then. It's like I easily got a white dress. I mean, I had to pay for it, obviously, but they didn't even have enough fabric at the time to make them. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I mean, we, I, I think with the dress color, it's like obviously, especially like American weddings, we see white dresses. But I think I love the idea of a bride feeling empowered to wear whatever color she wants. Yeah, we agree. I think, you know, any any bride should feel empowered to choose the dress that she feels most comfortable in. And, or not a dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or not a dress at all. Wear a white power suit if you we want. or love a jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. I think everyone should do what makes them feel good and what feels most authentic to them. Right. And we've seen, obviously, the color white transcend more than just the dress. It's like brides feel like they have to, while they're engaged, they literally, I mean, I'm wearing a white sweatshirt that says 2021 bride as we speak. They think, you know, if you're a bride to be, you have to be wearing white at your bridal shower, at your bachelorette, at your rehearsal dinner. And it's like, no, just wear whatever you want. I think nowadays we see a lot of brides getting creative and like wearing different colors at a lot of those pre-wedding events too, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, we see like celebrities always feel like they'll do whatever. Celebrities will wear any color they want, which more of us should feel like we can do that. Um, But also I think it became a thing where like white is what you associate with weddings. And it's also taboo if you're not the bride to wear white. So it's, it almost feels like your only opportunity in some cases to wear the white dress to your shower, your bachelorette party and your wedding day. So like, I think that's a lot of it as well. Yeah, that's true. It's like, this is my chance to wear white. I'm doing it. Um, Back to the bridesmaids and groomsmen. Last ceremony question we had was why do they have to stand with the couple during the ceremony or not have to usually stand with the couple during the ceremony? So it was like back into ancient Rome, the law required 10 witnesses to be present at a wedding. So that's where uh, the idea of having people stand there when it was happening because they were physically witnessing what was happening. 
Um, as we talked about, often the bridesmaids were dressed in the same dress and everything like that. Um, but it was truly just because like that was part of the law was that you had to have a certain number of witnesses for it to be an actual wedding. So now there's certainly no have to involved. I mean, you know, you, you don't need like a number of witnesses. And in some places you don't even need an officiant, like, you know, those Mm -hmm. types of laws were changed, but it was truly like the law. So that's why they would stand right there. Um, We definitely believe if you don't want people up there with you, make them sit down. (laughs) There's like no actual reason. There's some functional reasons. Like they can, you know, they can help fix your dress or your veil, or like if something's out of place, um, maybe it helps like you not feel so nervous to have people next to you, but you don't actually need to have them there. Yeah. I think it's like a good, like symbolic gesture of like their support and love for you to stand up there with you on like the altar near the altar during the ceremony, but it's definitely not a a have to. And I know a lot of couples, especially with the number of elopements and like micro weddings and stuff that are happening right now, like a lot of them are bypassing the wedding party completely, which is totally fine. Um, But if you have people close to you that you want to be involved, like they don't necessarily have to stand next to you at the altar, which, uh, you know, really a, a lot of it truly depends on like your venue and what you have space for in a lot of cases. So, um, but I think it's interesting in, in terms of like the history that like back then, part of the reason that they were there was to like protect the couple from danger. So it wasn't necessarily considered an honor <laughs> in the same way that it is now, because right. like they were putting themselves in potential danger to stand there with the couple at the wedding ceremony. Whereas now we obviously see it as like a sign of like, this person's really special to me and I want them there with me on my wedding day. And so it has a totally different um, context, I think now. Right. That's super interesting. I, I will say as a, a former bridesmaid of weddings, I do love when you get to sit during the ceremony and not have to stand <laughs> up there just because heels are uncomfortable, honestly, standing in them. I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah. We had some questions about just the aspects of the reception, which we'd love for your guys' insight on. Um, First of all, we get a lot of questions around the wedding cake and like why it exists and why do we have a ceremonial aspect of like cutting it. Would love for you guys to speak to that a little. Yeah, so cake kind of came out of, I mean, like people had cake at gatherings, right? Um, It started more as like breaking bread, less of an actual ornate cake with frosting or anything like that. Um, But the groom would actually break bread over the bride's head, like physically do it um, for good fortune, which is like, that's just kind of weird. Um, Again, it was done to symbolize the end of her purity, uh, the beginning of her like being submissive to her husband, which gross. Um, (laughs) But as as like time. Oh, and so like the newlyweds would then eat some of like the breadcrumbs and then guests would gather them for themselves as good luck so that they would then be next to get married, which is also weird. Um, but then, you know, later on as even just culinary like evolution happened, you know, so it went from like bread to actually being cake that was, you know, 
people started to learn what they could do with all of these things and make like ornate, um, like delicacy type of things. But um, then it became, so something they would also do is when it was the bride's, they would actually call it the bride's pie before it was called like the wedding cake. And they would put a ring in the pie and whoever, when it was cut, whoever got that piece with the ring in it was meant to be like the next one that would get married. And so that's where like the actual like cutting into it became like a ceremonious type of thing. Um, but then later on, you know, as we know now, we see cakes that are usually three tiered, um, which actually the tiers each have like their own significance, which is interesting to know. Um, and it's more the function of like, this is a great moment to get pictures <laughs> that the cake mm -hmm. cutting like still happens. Um, it was, you know, born out of like a ceremonious transfer of luck. And now I definitely think we see less of people like hiding something in the cake, but we do still see it. People will attach like ribbons to things in the cake and you have to pull it out. And if you pull out the right one, you're the next bride. Oh, bad luck. Nicole would like put ribbons in her cake and my guests would like not know and choke on them <laughs> when they're eating. So <laughs> I'm just picturing that being a, being a health hazard. Um, but that's so interesting. I never knew that's like why we cut into them and make a deal out of it. It's so crazy so how like everything with weddings was like invented by somebody at some point and every little move is intentional. Like the three tiers were intentional because of that. I feel like it's one of the oldest traditions of like all time that we're still doing, right? Like what else? Right, right. I mean, you like that's how our society, do you mean cakes or do you mean weddings? Uh, weddings in general. Yeah, because it's like, that's how, unfortunately, that's how, and maybe that's changing now. Like we're seeing obviously with same-sex marriage being legal and like change is actually happening, but that's how society was like thought to continue on. It was like, you marry off the women to one of the men so that they can procreate. And like, that's, you know, that's like how people thought of as the way that you save your society and keep it evolving and keep mm -hmm. it going so weddings held such a huge significance because that's what they did of course we know now that that's quite different and thankfully it is but you know specifically where cake is concerned within the higher tradition of a wedding why get rid of it like right. we want cake we <laughs> right. all want to eat cake so like <laughs> it makes sense that it stayed um right but yeah, that's... Let's talk about the garter toss. I feel like that is the creepiest wedding tradition. Like even now, I don't even know the what the history is behind it, but there's something like very uncomfortable, I feel like, about watching that happen, even in the movies. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I've seen it in a real wedding. I mean, honestly, the bouquet <laughs> toss and the garter toss are kind of intertwined in terms of like where they originated from. Basically, you know, in those old, older times, the women who were either bridesmaids or attending the wedding, they wanted pieces of like the bride's clothing to get some of that good luck that she had in finding herself a husband and getting married. And so basically, like, the brides were like in hot pursuit by like the bridal party, whether it was the groomsmen trying to grab her for other reasons, or the women trying to grab a piece of her clothing, like her ripping shreds off her dress like literally they were they were chasing her <laughs> trying to get a piece of her attire to take with them for their own good luck and so basically it evolved into this 
situation where the bride would either throw the bouquet or her garter as like a means of like deflection or distraction to get people to stop chasing her. Wow. So the whole like next person who catches it is the next or the person who catches it is the next person who's getting married that we just all kind of made up over time. Well, it's I think it's an evolution, really, like everything else. right? Yeah. And so people like wanted to grab her dress because that would mean they'd be the next to get married. Gotcha. Gotcha. Her throwing the bouquet. Now you've caught something of hers, which means you're the next to get married. Oh, like that's how dire (laughs) the situation was in needing to get married. Oh, my gosh. It's just crazy how far things have come like this day. I know so many people that are like why get married in the at all and it's like back in the day it was like i must grab a garment off this bride's dress to get married wow very interesting it started out with pretty like savage origins but obviously it's been transformed into like the modern tradition of gathering everyone on the dance floor and taking part in this ceremonial tossing situation or for the garter in particular the groom or the other partner <laughs> climbing up under the bride's dress to fish it out, which, you know, maybe that part I would toss personally, but mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think um, one of our last questions about the reception was just, um, do we know how speeches came about and why that was a thing back in the day? Yeah. Well, this is one of those, like it came out of party etiquette. So if you were hosting a ball or, you know, some big gathering, Um, the man of honor, typically like the man of the household who was throwing the party would give a speech. Um, so at weddings, the bride's father would like welcome everybody and sort of like wish the couple luck. Um, also this was the announcement that like it was time to eat. Interesting. So like, that's also functionally why he would say something. Um, Mm -hmm. but what's kind of interesting is the bride. So because it was like two families coming together so that they could know they could trust each other. The bride's father would be the first to drink from the wine pitcher to prove that it wasn't poisoned. Wow. Right. This is some game of Thrones red wedding (laughs) shit. Wow. Okay. That's exactly what I thought as well. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's actually cool that we found out that the reason we call it a toast is because a burnt piece of toast was put in that wine pitcher to like absorb the acidity because I mean, wine tasted terrible back then. Um, And so they would put like this burnt piece of toast in there. Apparently it absorbs the acidity, makes it taste better. And the host giving the speech would eat the piece of toast (laughs) and take Mm. it out. And then therefore it'd be ready for everybody else to partake. And yeah. Yum. Yeah. Wow. I thought like a toast was always a verb. And I thought we just thought not a, the, I didn't picture a literal piece of toast being involved in the naming convention of that. Wow. So interesting. So the host would have to eat the toast. Um, so it'd be like the, one of the, like the dad usually ate the piece of toast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe on my wedding day, I'll have my dad just eat a burnt piece of toast soaked in wine for fun. <laughs> It's a little tradition, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more questions about different aspects of the reception, Jordana? What do you guys think is like your favorite like thing? Like of all the things that you've gone through, like what do you feel like 
has been one of the more meaningful traditions for you that you're like, eh, I like this one like makes me feel like good and I'm going to do it. Personally, my favorite um, that we discussed was the unity ceremony. And in the context we discussed on the episode was the unity candle in, in particular. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen this at a lot of weddings, but it's typically something where, you know, the couple either like their mothers or families will light two individual candles. And then the couple that are getting married will then use that candle to light a singular candle. And there's like some biblical like history there or whatever, but it's not necessarily so much about that particular version of the idea. It's more about kind of like what we were talking about before finding a way to kind of um, like incorporate that symbolism of like the families joining together in some sort of special way. And we've shared like so many different like possibilities for that from, you know, some people do sand ceremonies, some people do like wine mixing or whiskey mixing and things like that. Um, you can really kind of use it as an opportunity to make it really personal and specific to you as a couple. Uh, and so I, I love stuff like that. And I personally like really enjoyed it because it does reinforce like the whole purpose of like what you guys are there for on that day, which is, you know, joining together as one. That's really nice. I've really? never actually seen that, but <laughs> I, yeah, I've got to, and I think our audience, I like kind of, a, lot. a lot of you guys listening probably need that because we get a lot of questions around, um, you know, just people uh, having problems with their future in-laws and whatnot. And maybe that's a symbolic nice way to say like let's put our differences aside and unite as one giant family i don't know i could see it being a sweet little way to try to solve some problems love that what did you have one sari or do you agree with that one i would also say old new bard and blue because it's the same thing like it's it's pure intent is just to symbolize the coming together of like two people and luck for the future. Um, like you incorporate old because you're taking your old life into your new life, which I think is great. And I think also if you have any of that like tension between families, that's another way to, you know, maybe like you wear a piece of jewelry that's from your spouse's family or, you know, you know, you can incorporate these things so that it really feels like the combining of families and not like, any of the tension that comes along with planning it, who's paying for what, who's, you know, there's all these things that can get in the way. But if you do decide to do something like that, you're very much saying like, I value your family and like my partner's family and everything that they're bringing to the table and want to like build a life with them. I love that. That's really nice. I like that. Okay. Thank you guys so much for coming on. This was like so much fun. I feel like I've learned so much more in the past like 30 minutes about weddings than I ever had in my life. <laughs> Same. Thank you guys so much. I know this probably took a lot of research and um, yeah, we just we love your your insight on everything. And I think, you know, the, the end goal of this episode is really like now that we all know where some of these came from, we can say yes or no to them and we can stop stressing over which bouquet to toss if we don't want to do that, for example. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, and where can people find your podcast and you guys on social and all of that? Yeah, definitely. So our website is thebudgetsavvybride.com. The podcast is The Bouquet Toss, which you can find on any major podcast app. We're also on Instagram and all over the social media, <laughs> wherever wherever you want to connect with us. Instagram is great or uh, we also have a like a private community for our brides. So come join us and 
We can chat through some of these weird wedding traditions and unpack it and help you find a solution that's gonna work great for you and your particular wedding. And on Instagram, it's budget, it's at budget savvy bride. Awesome. We'll go check it out, guys. <laughs> check it out. And we will be back next week till death do us part. Betches.